Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Enthusiast and Co. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. It was also a pleasure to have Lucy Ford on, who is my guest today. Lucy works in content creation for Netflix, uh, which, yes, means she's paid to create memes for Netflix, which is just a dream, isn't it, really? Um, but she, before that, was a showbiz reporter um, and kind of first came into my uh, sphere of uh, knowledge because she went viral for giving Reese Witherspoon her scented Legally Blonde dissertation, which I absolutely adored. Um, that was a kind of a video that went viral on the on the internet, as they say, um, and I started following her and since then I've just absolutely loved seeing her really nuanced and interesting thoughts and discussion about a wide range of things but things that I'm really interested in but that I don't quite know how to square with myself so fangirling which is a topic very close to my heart um, and also being online as a personality and just loads of things really as this as you'll hear in the talk Lucy and I are very very similar people um, so it was really really lovely to chat to her and get to know more about her and I hope you enjoy it. Hello Lucy. Hi. Hello, thank you so much for joining. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Marvellous. Yes, I'm all right. Thank you. Um, Could you please do the listeners a massive favour and tell them who you are and why you're so brilliant? Oh, well, no pressure. I was going to say, really casual, no pressure, Lucy. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm Lucy Ford. I am, uh, it's so weird, like, feel like I'm on MSN like ASL um I'm, <laughs> I am 28 I'm from London well I'm from Wales but I live in London and I I uh, guess am a kind of like content creator at the moment but people if they do know me at all m- might know me best as being like an entertainment reporter and kind of uh-huh. making a living talking to celebrities and stuff um yeah. but I kind of changed that in terms of um professional work like earlier at the end of last year but that's kind of I guess still my brand if I have a brand I, say, I like that you say you changed that professionally leaving open the possibility of you personally still talking to celebrities <laughs> on the regular I really like I that mean obviously me and Harry Styles just talk all the time <laughs> as pals just not in a professional capacity anymore I imagine you have a whatsapp where you just talk about suits that's what I imagine that's what I want to believe and I do believe that that I'm is the life I want honestly when I'm thinking about manifesting a life like that's that's the, the that's top high up there yeah <laughs> um total curveball speaking of uh, age sex location what song did your myspace profile die with what was your last song on your MySpace? oh my profile? gosh i think it might have been an amy winehouse song i was really oh, into amy winehouse eternal. classic i think it might have been um tears dry on their own oh that's a good one that's yeah. a good one the world was gonna end that's a good one to go out with what was yours uh, i never had myspace <gasps> Oh, wow. Did you have any? <laughs> did you else? have the internet, did, Ellie? <laughs> did, you, did you have a, a life? <laughs> what what well, is that? I, did I, you have I think, real life friends? <laughs> no, never though. Uh, no, I think I just missed it. I think I was just slightly too young for it. So mm. I space unfortunately but we um I was having a chat with a branding designer like last year and she mentioned that it's kind of like your brand is kind of like your myspace page and then we just got into this deep rabbit hole of like the fact that one day we just logged onto myspace and never logged on again and it was just quite nice what your um what your song was because I knew you'd have a good one that is actually like that's kind of hit me 
in the gut a bit of like <laughs> <laughs> like one day Time I just one day I just anyway, never I just went I'd... on my MySpace again it, that's no. like you know when it's like oh your parents once picked you up and then never picked oh my you God, up no, ever that again sent me into an actual spiral that didn't that, that didn't hurt me as much as you, <laughs> <laughs> you never logged on to your MySpace again I did, Sorry, Mr. Mrs. Ford. <laughs> I did try and find my MySpace at one point but I I couldn't find it and I think it's I think they're all gone now but um I don't know. I'm scared it's still out there somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for your username and your password, don't you? Really? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so let's start off with, uh, you kind of talked about your work. What are you enthusiastic about at work? Um, well, I guess uh, the kind of through line. So for context, I like trained as a journalist and then sort of specialised in entertainment journalism and then really didn't I really wasn't a journalist I was just kind of a like reporter I wasn't breaking stories or anything um Mm -hmm. and then I did that breaking the internet (laughs) well I guess in some capacity (laughs) um I so I did that for a few years and then uh sort of in October of last year I did a bit of a career change and went over to social media and now that's what I do for the most part as my full-time job I do some radio bits like on the side so I'm still kind of in radio but my full-time job is is essentially making memes <laughs> for Netflix at the moment. And Wait, just the absolute dream, isn't it? I, I mean, honest. it's like I can't even begin to try and just like think how I would describe it to my nan. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm like currently in lockdown with my nan. And every time she's like, what are you doing at work? I'm like, oh, Audrey, I just don't <laughs> even know where to begin I think I think you should pitch that to Netflix I might (laughs) telling my nan what Netflix is and then also what social media is and then what memes are um but I guess layers too many layers (laughs) all of that like rambling context of my life is basically just to say that I'm probably most enthusiastic about being creative in my work um because even though I kind of did a career change the the sort of creativity element is the through line so when I was a reporter my main job towards the end of my lifespan in that role was overhauling a lot of the digital content that the company was doing and so kind of Mm -hmm. creating these repeatable formats with celebrities um doing a lot of the design for it doing a lot of the um editing and kind of uh look of things and that's kind of the same thing as what I do now in the sense of like how things look and creating new formats and everything so um yeah creativity and the chance to be creative and the chance for not every single day to be exactly the same obviously some days are the same that's just inevitable in in any job but you know knowing that it could be different every day yeah yeah is it is it fair to say that you kind of morphed into that that end role with reporting because you kind of had obviously one foot in showbiz uh because of your job but also one foot on kind of being a very uh, you describe yourself as an extremely online person yeah um, I am very <laughs> capital letters extremely online because that feels like a really good segue, a really good kind of um, bringing together of, you know, you being a, a consumer on the internet and knowing what you want to see from, you know, famouses, for want of a better word, but also having the skill and the acumen to be able to get that from the reporters. That's a really good, like, middle ground. Yeah, I think so. I, I kind of, uh, when I was kind of deciding whether to do the switch, really, I kind of describe myself as having two personalities like one's very introverted and one's very extroverted which I think like most people have but the reporting side of things is like me when I was at my most extroverted which is like talking to people on camera which I did love um but then also there is this side of me as a 
extremely online person that is very much <laughs> like like introverted and just consuming things uh personally and privately because I think that's what a lot of like social media is like your private space isn't it even though it's fairly yeah. public um so yeah it's kind of the two it's kind of the two sides of my brain in that way um <laughs> mixing together like I kind of I did one part of it for a while and now I'm kind of exploring the other part of my brain and then who knows what will happen later on you're gonna have to find a third half of your brain I know you're gonna have to dig one out I'm gonna have to just create new maths (laughs) (laughs) do you know what Lucy I'll back you I believe you thank you um speaking of being um online I know Mm -hmm. I referenced you breaking the internet earlier um can we just discuss and I know you must talk about this daily maybe not to your nan she might not get the reference but you must discuss this daily but I'm gonna make you discuss it again um you lived my nightmare going viral on the internet but for an excellent reason can you talk about the fact that you gave Reese Witherspoon your dissertation please (laughs) yes and actually I don't talk about this very much anymore so uh it's actually oh quite nice God. to talk if about I'm it. you, I'd walk down every day for breakfast and be like, hi guys, did you know that Reese with the Spoons smelt my dissertation? Okay, fine. I just wanted to remind you of that fact. Thanks guys. <laughs> um, okay. So when I was at university, I did my dissertation on uh, feminism, essentially like uh, strong female characters in film. And I focused on Legally Blonde because I thought Legally Blonde did a really good job of like subverting what we know of as strong female characters because the character of Elle Woods is very feminine. Uh, she's hyper feminine in a way you know kind of these like stereotypical feminine aspects um I say that I really just wanted to watch Legally Blonde a lot of times and I tried to find a (laughs) I tried to find a subject that would like work around it um but anyway I did that at university and then kind of when I was in this job uh the prospect of Reese Witherspoon like doing interviews like having a chance to speak to Reese Witherspoon came up a few times and it never came off for scheduling reasons or like approval reasons, whatever. And I then, think that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I would not have been able to do your job. Like the 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 poison, the the, the carrot and the stick of potentially meeting a celebrity and then it falling through. I think would crush me. Oh my gosh, I have a like I have so many stories of me oh being excited about things, telling people it's happening, and then it not happening. Oh my god! And I'd it's like so anytime I I learned very quickly to not tell anyone if I mm. if something that I was excited about was going to happen until it was like until I was like in the room and like they couldn't have because I was supposed to interview Tom Hiddleston once and I okay Tom Hiddleston has kind of revealed himself to be a bit of a cringe cringe guy but I <laughs> at, at this point in time was like absolutely obsessed with him like this was, he, this was pre-Taylor Swift this was pre-Hiddle Swift um <laughs> and I was in love with him like I I I have like a thing in my brain which is like the oldest I will date is 11 years older than me because that is how much older Tom Hiddleston is than me <laughs> like that's that's how like in my brain it is how much I love him and uh-huh. in my first week of the job they were like oh do you want to interview Tom Hiddleston and I was like yes absolutely I was like walking down the street as if I was in a film and I got like <laughs> splashed by a bus but it was okay because I was so happy because um, I was, was going to meet Tom Hiddleston and we we're going to fall in love yeah, um sure. and then uh someone else did the interview instead of me they took it off me and I didn't get to do it in the end and I had to wait a year and a half to finally meet him and that was post Hiddle Swift as well it was like it was literally literally the month after Hiddle Swift and I was like for god's sake um (laughs) this interview has a very different tone now Tom (laughs) (laughs) you've disappointed me you've disappointed the world um 
no he was very charming and i was like very much putty in his hands even then um so that was such a long yeah, tangent I, I to say that like, uh, no i'm gonna put it out there we love tom hiddleston i fancy him well oh, okay he's amazing i think that i i just think we would have a really nice life together like i feel like I would. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we all you know there's celebrities it? i fancy that i'm like oh i just don't think our, our worlds would mesh but like yeah me and sure. tom hiddleston like walking around like Hampstead with his cute dog just would be nice um that was such a tangent for like <laughs> me being excited to interview people um I love it. but uh yeah anyway I guess the so eventually the Reese Witherspoon thing did come off that we were gonna get her and I kind of half joked with my boss I was like oh shall I give her my dissertation and my boss was like yeah why don't you and I was like oh okay I was kind of joking but secretly I wanted to do it I just needed backing mm-hmm. um but my boss was like really chill and she she also was like if it goes well then like you have this great moment if it doesn't go well then you just move on like it's not gonna be the end of the world you know what I mean so I was like okay cool yeah. and so uh printed out my dissertation sprayed it with some perfume because uh if you are a Legally Blonde fan you know that her resume is scented in the film yeah. so I was like well I'll scent it and I sat in the room I didn't tell anyone in the waiting room that I was gonna do it even though I had a stack of like 40 papers like how many notes do you think I have to go into an interview you going oh my god we have underprepared for this <laughs> like you get like four questions max in one of these interview situations and I've got like 40 papers of me <laughs> um but yeah so I sat in the room with her Oprah and Mindy Kaling who all of whom I appreciate. I was going to say, I do feel like in this story, whenever I think about this story, I do just forget that actual Oprah was in the room as well, which I feel Me is another <laughs> another element to the story that is absolutely mind-boggling. It's so funny because I, I obviously, like, I really appreciate Oprah and, like, she's such an important figure. Um, but I was just had such tunnel vision that even, like, I forgot that Oprah was in the room. <laughs> I was like, I have I have one mission and that is it. Like, and I also am obsessed with Mindy Kaling. Like, I love her so much. I have all of her books. I love her shows yes. and stuff. So, like, it was just, like, a lot to process. Um, but anyway, I just, if you might have seen the video. I gave her my dissertation and, um, and just said off at the top of the interview, like, uh, I have to do this because I don't know when I'm going to get this chance again. And fun fact, I never got the chance again to interview Reese Witherspoon. So there you are. Um, took took it when I could, and I gave it to her, and she seemed like in the moment. To be honest, I'm going to give some uh, back background information here. No, oh not, not been revealed before. Scoop. Um, in the moment, it didn't feel that like good in the sense of like I, she seemed quite touched by it but it was very much like oh thanks cheers mm. um and then we kind of went on with the interview and like my face got like less red and I just kind of pushed ahead and then so when I came back to the office my boss was like oh how did it go and I was like oh yeah I think it went okay like she seemed to really like appreciate it but it was like a sweet moment and then um in editing the footage because you obviously like see people's faces a lot uh in closer up in editing I was like, oh, she actually was really touched by this. And I just like completely didn't read the human cues of it all. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it came across a lot more um, just like emotional, I guess, in the video. But anyway, yeah, I, I edited this video, put it on my Twitter, just thinking that like, I don't know, the like six followers that regularly interact with me would care <laughs> um, because they're all just like people who did my course at uni. And then like this very specific subsect of like, journalists in I guess like LGBTQ media who follow me and um 
I went to a meeting and I came back and it was like, you've got like 500 notifications. And I was like, well, that's, that's wrong. That's not, <laughs> Twitter's that's A wrong. And B not good. Generally. Twitter's broken. Um, and then it had gone like stupidly viral in the hour that I'd left my desk. Um, of course it had because it's the content we all need yeah and it was just really nice and also like I know that you said at the top like it's your worst nightmare to go viral it's also like that's fair it's awful to go viral um but I had I think maybe one of the like rarest situations of going viral which is that it was almost entirely positive and any negativity I had was just so laughable in its transparency of um kind of jealousy which I think is is yeah. so much of what I learned in interviewing celebrities is that uh so many of the mean comments you get is just misplaced jealousy and doesn't make the comments any nicer like it doesn't you know if someone's like commenting on your appearance in a sure. mean way it's like oh yeah they're jealous but like ouch still um but the kind of some mean comments I was getting on this which was like so few and far between were very much just like okay just admit that you're annoyed that someone had a nice time that's all it all it came down to um so I had just like the nicest experience of going viral <laughs> like I love, no, the reason I love this story so much is because it's heartwarming on so many levels like the fact that working backwards the fact that you went viral and had a nice time literally makes my heart race a little less oh. it makes me you know makes me not panic about every tweet I put out the fact that Reese with the spoon was so lovely about it is also wonderful to hear because I do think obviously like on press junkets you know you hear all the time they're sat there for eight hours at a time then like not let out of the room like they answer four questions from a stream of constantly Mm -hmm. changing stream of people um it's totally understandable if they were ratty even if they do get paid a lot to do it like completely understand they're only human yeah about it um and also the fact that your boss like said yes please do hand a scented ring bound dissertation to Reese Witherspoon like I love that she also allowed you that freedom as well yeah I mean I had like I love my my old boss we're still really good friends and she just had I think like at the end of the day she just had like a lot of trust in in me and like the team in general she hired people that she trusted and so I said before I was like if it goes wrong I at this point because I've been doing it for a few years I was like at this point I'm pretty good at kind of like worming my way out of awkward situations like (laughs) which like is what you said there are so many junket situations which aren't necessarily bad they're just awkward because people have been sitting there for eight hours it's an assembly line of people you know they don't remember your name as soon as you say it it's just that like sometimes they can be a bit awkward and I I got very like well versed at just kind of powering through that and just smiling and being like okay and this will be over in five minutes um so she trusted that like if it did go wrong then it would it would be fine and um and also these this is another insider info oh my god Lucy stop (laughs) you can uh I won't name names on on companies and stuff but you can get in a lot of trouble in these kind of junket situations for veering off topic in terms of not talking about the film or kind of talking about something that they don't want to promote um but because the thing had gone so viral if there was any uh kind of negativity around me taking focus from the film they didn't really have a leg to stand on because it was kind of the best promotion for the film in the end you know it was it was the most viral clip that came out of that sort of junket process for a wrinkle in time um so true which like I didn't predict it wasn't like a calculated thing but it ended up being the biggest piece of press from that whole film uh was this dissertation moment and so they couldn't really be mad if I don't know if they were mad maybe they weren't but um 
that was just yeah, another, that was if, another thing that like my boss was really great at knowing that if it did go well then we would have this really amazing piece of content that stands out aside from the usual like trying to get an interesting question <laughs> in a room when they've answered every single question they could answer you know what I mean yeah you'll um, be very glad to hear that I'm not gonna quiz you about who your favorite and least favorite people to interview are but I am <laughs> dying to know as is everyone else I'm sure you've ever met but I won't ask you because I'm a decent person you can ask me whatever you want Ellie I don't mind <laughs> oh my god no, well we'll do it off air there's a list of people I want to know um okay. speaking also of being um extremely online tm we well, I'm going to say, can we let's talk about boy bands? Because yes. so I first kind of you first came on my radar because of aforementioned um, Reese with a spoon dissertation glorious moment. Since then, um, you have fast become one of my absolute favorite people on the Internet um, because you're you have such a nuanced and balanced and relatable view on a lot of things that are seem to be you know, like systemically seem to be really, really extreme. So I'm talking about kind of boy bands here mm-hmm. and kind of fangirling. So I was a massive One Direction fangirl. Say was, still am, obviously. Of course. Um, They're still alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, I'm only human. Um, but you, and you also are, but you are also a massive fan of K-pop, aren't you? I am a huge fan of K-pop, yeah. Um, Which and I just really love your because I think K-pop it's hard to understand as people who don't know that much about K-pop but like whatever we think about kind of like hysteria and I use that in heavily inverted commas yes. um, boy band hysteria in the UK is magnified globally for K-pop because their reach is so huge yeah um, and I just really love your nuanced takes on kind of what fangirling is and you know kind of like the gender constructs that go into the term hysteria um, and I just really love the way you approach it basically oh thanks <laughs> uh, that makes me I, so I this is now just going to be like gushing corner because now I'm talking to you about what I like about you um okay great <laughs> but I I because re- I feel like um we're quite similar in this in that you don't know that much about k-pop but you seem to like that I like it which I think is yeah. like the nicest thing ever I there's nothing yeah. I love more than like seeing someone enjoy something because I just think it's so nice and that's like why I find a lot of the discourse especially around um boy bands or I guess this is like the link to the the legally blonde thing is like things that traditionally are aimed at women the Mm -hmm. discourse around them is so negative from a lot of men in the sense of like oh it's so embarrassing that you like this thing because it's not serious because it's not aimed at men because the whole world is is aimed at men (laughs) um and so I just think like reclaiming the narrative of of like like you said like quote unquote hysteria um because it's just passion it's just enthusiasm at the end of the day it's just it just has this like awful uh lens attached to it that it's because it's women it's somehow hysterical yeah exactly it's like I think that I saw um you tweeted a couple of months ago maybe now um that you know we never call men at sports games hysterical they're always just passionate or like enthusiastic whereas as soon as a woman like opens her mouth to scream at a, at a boy band concert she's immediately being hysterical and you know like embarrassing and yeah. I think that is so and also I think it's again it's hard maybe to see this from the outside when you've not kind of been in a boy band community but it really does bring a sense of community like I've never made friends like I've made from One Direction Internet <laughs> oh my gosh I it's it's wild isn't it because 
I think that's just the surface level thing that people don't understand is that when you when you become a fan a fan girl of something and you kind of embed yourselves in these communities, which is what the internet is amazing for, is it like it's never been easier to find your own community. Um, it's not just that you're like screaming into a void. You're screaming with other people and you're sharing in your passions with other people. And like you said, like I've never made more friends um, as easily as I have than from being in the BTS fandom. And it's not yeah. because uh, we only talk about BTS or we only talk about other K-pop bands. It's just that we have this thing that connects us. And then like I've become friends with people like through that. And it's like through the shared enthusiasm. It's just the best way to make friends. I love it so much. Oh, I love it. It's so, it's so, and also like, especially with K-pop, like that will be a global reach. As I say, like you must've made friends like literally halfway across the world that you could go and visit from it, which I just think is such an incredibly special thing to have from, you know, like the music is great. The dancing is great. That yeah. aside, uh, they're all hot. That aside, it's also <laughs> great to have like, you know, an incredible community of people that are around the world for you. I think that's incredible. Yeah, that was like the real, I mean, there's many, many sad things about like what's going on right now, but um that was like what I was supposed to be doing at this point in time was I was supposed to be in America, like traveling around and meeting all of these people that I've connected with on Twitter. Oh no, Lucy, I know. <laughs> it, will ha- it will happen again when it will be, when it'll, it'll be even better when it does. Yeah. It'll be all the sweeter. So we've talked about um, what you, and I really, I feel like you and I are also very similar in terms of kind of like work and play becomes enmeshed a lot of the time. Yes. So obviously your work is, um, you know, previously has been entertainment showbiz, interviewing, journalist reporting. I haven't made a hash of that. Um, and is <laughs> no, that's now, exactly um, what I would say as well. I'm like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. word for word. Um, and is now uh, social media um, for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with both of those things, they are prime examples of how you have made a career um, and been paid to do things that are really closely connected to what you love to do in your spare time as well. Would you say that was fair? Yeah, absolutely. And that's like so great you know I feel so incredibly lucky that my hobbies have become something that I can essentially monetize um but a dream I know I mean it's a double-edged sword in a way because um I did find towards sort of the end of my time interviewing celebrities um that having those two things mesh meant that I never really felt like I could switch off in a way because yeah I would, you know, whereas before when I was just, you know, a lowly fangirl on Tumblr, I would watch interviews with Tom Hiddleston all day and be like, oh, this is such a fun escapism. Um, And then when it became my job, it's like, well, I don't want to watch interviews with this person because not Tom Hiddleston, like, I don't want to watch this interview with X person because I've met them and it wasn't that good or oh, I know exactly what they're doing in this situation. Like, I know the game that they're playing and and it it all kind of... uh, there's just not much escapism, I guess, as as a result, yeah. which actually is um sort of the reason that I really enjoyed becoming a fangirl for K-pop because it felt so incredibly removed from, it was yeah. still entertainment and it's still a world that I like loved being a part of, but it was so removed from what I did as an entertainment reporter. I was like, I don't know anyone who's met them. I don't know anyone who's kind of like dealt with any of this stuff. I have since met people who've met them and, and everything, but at the time... It was just like a really fun escapism, which was that that's what I had, like the best of both worlds in. Yeah, because our, our mainstream media is so far behind on the K-pop bandwagon sounds wrong, but like we're so oh, far no. behind in reporting. So true. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're like absolutely like, you know, monstrously huge success. So, yeah, it must have been 
almost like opportune to come upon someone that you loved who also they haven't had that sheen removed from them yet because yes. you, you haven't yeah we haven't removed it basically <laughs> we haven't removed the yeah. sheen we haven't pulled the veil back yet yes um so next uh lucy let's talk about what you're enthusiastic about in play so um for anyone who hasn't listened to another episode this is my um garbled way of asking people what their hobbies are but i refuse to ask them what their hobbies are because i hate the phrase hobbies i hate asking people because i never had any and i'm still bitter 20 years on um so lucy what do you do in play i mean does anyone have hobbies (laughs) like that's yes do you know what i mean like you have things Okay, then maybe it's just us. <laughs> I have I literally, honestly, I have things in theory that are my hobbies, but like in reality, do I do them? No. I <laughs> um, think we might be twins. I know because in, in my head, I'm like, oh, I just love sewing, and it's like, when was the last time I sewed? It's just like it's just now <laughs> part of my personality, I guess. Um, I see myself as a sewer. Um, I it's, I sound like such a broken record, and like, okay, cool, I love creativity, like we get it, but that is um. <laughs> That is, I guess, what I really enjoy doing is just like seeing and having creativity. And in play, I try and like I try and do some crafty things. I really enjoy cross stitch, <laughs> um, but also just like um, like creating nice things. Whether it's it sounds so silly, like even just like making a nice outfit, like trying on clothes I've never tried on before in this in this like mm-hmm. in different um, combinations or watching things that I wouldn't normally watch. Um, it feels very close to the bone now to say that I'm enthusiastic about going out for dinner. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I guess it's just like, it's just like finding joy outside of, of work. I think for a really long time, I, I really thought a lot about work all the time and yeah and which I I think is like a very normal thing when you're in your early twenties and like desperately want people to take you seriously and desperately want to be creating something for yourself. Uh, but as time has gone on and as I've got, you know, more weathered and old, I have <laughs> tried to separate the two a bit more and like turn off and actually try and find joy in my free time. So I've started writing a bit more, which I've really enjoyed as well. Um, it feels strange to say, like, I want to get out of my own head and then deciding to write about myself, which is forcing me to be inside <laughs> my own head. I'm going to take myself out of my brain and then sit myself next to myself and just stare at and me. Just, that's that's exactly do. what it feels like, but in, in quite a nice way, like in a way that I don't normally examine myself. Uh, so I've been yeah. really enjoying doing that as well. That has been actually like one of the the few positives of this lockdown situation is that I no, no, no longer have distractions of like trying to... Uh, procrastinate from things that I've wanted to do for ages but have just not done so writing was like the one thing that I was enthusiastic about doing so yeah I love that Mm. I love that very very much um sorry to bring it back to k-pop again Um, honestly you you never have to apologize for that (laughs) I'm just (laughs) always I'm always waiting for someone to bring it up so I can talk about it (laughs) did I hear the word k-pop I'm not um (laughs) Because I know you said about sewing, but um, what I one of the many things I love about you, as I say, this is just an extended love letter to yourself. Um, but I do love that you really are not afraid or ashamed to wear your enthusiasm on your sleeve, which is one of the many myriad of reasons I've wanted you on the podcast. Um, but didn't you embroider a beret to sit front row at a BTS press conference? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, okay. um, just checking that I got those facts right. <laughs> I um. 
Yeah, so uh, when when BTS came to London to perform at Wembley, they did a press conference and I got to go along to it, which was like, I felt like I was my heart was going to like fall out of my like bum. Honestly, it was like so <laughs> nervous and so excited to see them in person. Um, and yeah, I for the concert, I just embroidered my favorite member, whose name is Jin. He's a sweet, sweet boy. Um, onto a beret to wear at the concert and then I was like I was at the front row of this press conference and I was like do you know what like screw it I'm just gonna wear it in front of them because I don't think being a fangirl is bad and I also don't think um that being a fangirl in like a professional field is bad I was like surely they want fans to know that they like you know I I think that there's an element like you said like West, I'm trying to really validate what I did. I just wanted to Jin to see me and be like, "Hey, you." <laughs> um, but th- there was a bigger what thing of like, that? there was a bigger thing that I thought afterwards, which was that Western media really doesn't know how to talk about K-pop. Really, there are some really yeah. amazing writers. There are some really great people who are writing about it, but as a as like a kind of institution, we don't know how to appreciate it because it's very other and it's very uh, different than what one used to. And so in my head I was like they they should be happy to know that like someone in the press is a really big fan of what they do and yeah hopefully they felt like it wasn't just like desperately trying to get people to take them seriously because I very much take them seriously and also was a member of the press if that makes sense yeah yeah you're so right it must have been like almost a familiar face like knowing that somebody's not just there because they're paid to be they are they happen to be there because they're paid to be but also they you know would love they would love to pay to be there as well and there's also this kind of I really want to say like emphasize the quotation marks here like this exotic fascination which is a thing that we've seen Mm -hmm. in anything that is foreign language this kind of like exotic fascination of like oh what is it about these things that we don't know about that is like causing such a stir and it and a lot of times that doesn't actually yield any real thoughtful investigation it just almost makes people Mm -hmm. it's almost like a human zoo in a way where it's like yeah you're just looking in like I don't get it so I'm not going to engage with it and that's and a lot of times like what happens and so there was I guess there was an element of me sitting in the front row being like I am I'm not I'm in (laughs) like I'm all in with you guys it's you don't have to you don't have to sell yourself (laughs) you don't have to sell yourself to me like I'm I bought it (laughs) yeah yeah, that that makes total sense. I don't think that's a, a hammed justification. I think I'm 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 with you. I'm with okay, you. thank you. I really did just want Jin to notice me though, because it's very. Yeah, inco- I mean, also that is fine. It's very inconvenient knowing the love of my life is like in the most popular band ever, doesn't live in my country, and also doesn't speak the same language as me. Really annoying. <laughs> All I'm hearing are um, just things that we need to do during lockdown. We just need to learn Korean. <laughs> we just need to, you know, find out how we move our lives to Korea. I'm saying we because I'll help you, not I will Thank move you. with you. I'm not going to like provide competition for you. I'm just I'm going to bolster you. That's what <laughs> Thank I'm saying. Thank you so much. It's just the support is all I need. Hi. What can I say? I'm a fangirl for you, Lucy. What can I say? Uh, um. <laughs> and then I'm I'm actually wearing a beret with you embroidered on it right now. Oh my god. <laughs> I would actually love that. Uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if we've got more weeks of lockdown, we'll see what comes out. Um, and so moving on to the final question, Lucy, what are you enthusiastic about in life? I feel like we've kind of touched on that because, mm. um, as I said, like your work and play in life are also entwined. But could you just talk a bit about what you're enthusiastic about in life? Yeah, I kind of thought about this. And um, I think that not to oh, bring it like so introspective, but I, over the last few months, have have really kind of re-examined myself a bit in terms of um 
who I am, I guess, and like what I enjoy, what I want to do, these kind of things. Uh, you know, I turned 28 and I was like, oh, I'm no longer in my early 20s. I'm now like very solidly in my <laughs> late 20s. And what am I? Um, so my focus is actually kind of not necessarily shifted. I think it's just become a bit more focused because I hadn't really thought about it before. But I guess I'm really enthusiastic about just like feeling fulfilled which is such a hammy answer and such a like cliche but I think that it's really easy to say that without really thinking about what that means like of course everyone wants to everyone wants to be fulfilled like why you wouldn't sit there and be like oh I wish to be unfulfilled but um (laughs) but I think I um I'm just really aware of like what the steps I need to take in order to feel fulfilled so I think like really appreciating the things I have in front of me with me now um as opposed to kind of like always looking ahead or kind of looking for validation in places that, you know, I already have it personally. So why am I seeking it elsewhere? Those kind of things that I think uh, when you're in your twenties, like I was saying earlier, when you're like desperately trying to prove yourself, of course you're looking ahead to the future because that's what you're trying to build for yourself. But now I'm a bit more like, okay, I'm in my future a bit more than I was. So I guess my I'm enthusiastic about finding whatever fulfillment is for me like figuring out what it is because I think it is different for everyone yeah yeah. definitely that's what I've kind of like learned on this I mean more kind of with business coaching and stuff but I feel like self-development has really boomed the past couple of years and I feel like the question that keeps being asked is like what does success mean to you yeah and I'm like but you can just back with the layers can't you because like as you say like success is like oh feeling fulfilled and feeling happy and then it's like well what will that bring, what will bring that for you and you're like oh no I don't know that wait a second <laughs> yeah not to quote quote the uh the greatest philosopher of our time Shrek but you know there's, <laughs> this is a, <laughs> it's an onion and there's lots of layers to this <laughs> so it's Look, like ain't, ain't nobody going like parfait that's that's the, <laughs> that's the motto here. so like happiness is like the top layer of the onion and then you like peel it back to be like well what does that mean and then you peel that back and so I think life is just an endless uh, assembly line of peeling back layers of an onion in that way. And then, wow. you know, when you've reached Nirvana, you think, how the hell did a dragon and a donkey ever have a baby? And then you I think, mean, actually, I'm not going to think anymore about that. That's when you get to like galaxy brain levels. You know, that meme that's like <laughs> <laughs> with the brain on fire, like, wow, um, trying to figure out how that happened. That feels like, have you seen that AI meme generator that's going around at the moment? Yes, I'm obsessed with it. It was so yeah, funny. That, that whole segue just felt like an AI meme generator thing. And I mean that as a compliment, Lucy, not as an insult. By Thank you so much. I've reached like AI levels of memeage now. This is what that's what I'm saying. You're, you're the ultra human. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um so thank you so so much could you please tell people where they can well actually let's split this in two parts let's tell people where they can find you on the internet if they want to follow up with you and secondly could you tell us if people have been their interest has been piqued in k-pop and bts could you let people know kind of where to start with um kind of finding out more about them oh my gosh yes okay so if you want to find me, uh, probably the best place is Twitter. That's where I live, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I try, I try like Brokeback Mountain, like I wish I knew how to quit you. Um, it's at Lucy J <laughs> underscore Ford. I am there a lot. So you can always chat to me. And I always really like chatting to people. So my DMs are open. Um and yes, if you would like to get into K-pop or so I really love K-pop, but I also like I guess my main band is BTS because that's like who I, I stan. If you would like to get more into BTS, my personal favorite video of all time is a, a song called Blood, Sweat and Tears. 
because I really appreciate kind of like a horny vampire aesthetic. That is oh chef's kiss for me but the best thing about bts is that like whatever kind of thing that you're in the mood for they have a video for it so if you appreciate kind of like bright if you're a fool and don't appreciate a horny vampire aesthetic there's also (laughs) something if you're wrong then (laughs) this is uh if you'd like really colorful i would go for a, a song called dna that was actually the first video i saw that reeled me in and gave me my favorite member also and uh yeah or if you just want a list i think i've made a playlist on youtube so if you want it uh message me and i'll send it to you because i took my best friend to their wembley concert with me and she couldn't care less so i gave her um a playlist of things to watch before to be prepared so if you would like that then message me and i'll send it to you because i can't remember what it is now but you know what we love the fact that she was willing to go anyway that's what we love that's true yeah I mean, I did pay for her, <laughs> but I do. She was really great for coming along. She was like, you know what? Yeah. And she got a bit drunk and bought some merch. So like she's in. There we are. <laughs> she's she's hooked. She's hooked. Um, thank you so much, Lucy. It's been such a joy to speak to you. You too. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for listening to that episode of The Enthusiast and Co. This is the bit where I tell you where you can find me. Um, I am on Instagram at theenthusiast.co, on Facebook forward slash theenthusiast.co and on Twitter at Eleanor Kime, uh, K-I-M-E. My website is theenthusiast.co if you're looking for my merch, any more resources or my blog. Um, and you can sign up to my email newsletter there as well. Thank you so much for listening. Speak to you next time.